This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox at Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about the church, go to antiochchurchnc.org. Well, good morning. It's nice to see everybody on this beautiful but chilly day. Um, Today's text is from John 17, and I'll be reading the whole chapter, so if you want to follow along with me. This is the High Priestly Prayer. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy and filled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. I started to name the the sermon Lessons for Me in 23, which of course has been followed by I Need More in 24. But I spared you that title. Or did I? (laughs) 
from those new to Antioch, I, I like to take the last Sunday of the year, or sometimes it's, sometimes it's the first Sunday of the new year, depending on the, the way the calendar falls, to look back at some of the things God spoke to me about in the previous year. I like to write in my journal, and I don't do it as often as I should, but when the, I feel like the Lord has spoken to me something from His Word or something that happened in the church or in our family or whatever, I do like to record those things. And then at the end of the year, I go back and, and read through what I had written and share some of the highlights. The next two Sundays, just to give you a preview of what's to come, the next two Sundays, the elders are going to take turns. There will be three giving 10-minute talks next week and three giving 10-minute talks the following week, and those will comprise a 30-minute sermon. And they will be on the mission statement and the values of Antioch. We've been spending uh, the last several months working on these, just moving forward who are we? What's our why? And of course, we've known that for a long time, but we wanted to, to get it a, a little bit more carefully defined. So that will be the next two sermon Sundays, okay? And then on the third Sunday in January, Lord willing, we will begin our journey through the book of, of Second Peter. Some of you use the scripture journals for First Peter. There are four or five still on the credenza, and if you want one of those journals, if you're new and you haven't gotten one, it has Second Peter in it. Basically, it's the text of ESV on one side, and then a blank page on the other for you to take notes. And there's four or five, and if those get gone today or in the next couple of weeks, I will order more for those who want them. They're a nice thing to have because you've got your notes in there and the text, and then you can put those on your shelf, and then you want to review what you learned from Second Peter, then you can go back and look at those journals. Some of you have journals from Mark now and Genesis and now First and Second Peter. I'm going to start my three points today from the most recent journal entry, and it happened this week, and that's why I wanted Janet to read John 17. This week I was reading in John 17, and I felt like the Lord was, was confirming to me, well, we already know that Jesus really does love his sheep. And this high priestly prayer, he prayed on the night that he was to be betrayed before he was going to go to the cross the next day. It's such a powerful prayer. And I read that one morning this week. And the same morning, Sydney and I were looking, reading through R.C. Sproul's The Advent of Glory as an Advent devotional. And we were way behind, so we just skipped ahead to the last reading on the 24th and read that one. And it was on John 17. So I felt like, mm, okay, the Lord is confirming there's some, some things here he wants me to think about. So we can spend weeks working through John 17 phrase by phrase. It's that rich. It's that deep. But we're not going to do that. Let me point out a few things that leapt off the page to me. You ever have that experience? You're reading something you've read many, many times before, and something just highlights itself. It illuminates itself. It jumps off the page. I think we've all been there. Those of us who are, are regularly in the Word, it will happen over and over again. So here's some thoughts. First, we were given the Son that He might give us eternal life. Jesus said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You since You have given Him authority over all flesh. Now listen to this. To give eternal life to all whom You have given Him. And R.C. Sproul writes, Why did Jesus come? Because of His great, arresting, gripping, abiding love for His sheep for all those whom the Father had given Him. You know, we know the true gift of Christmas, and I'm sure you talked about that with your children in your home this past week. Hey, we're opening presents. But remember, the gift of Christmas was Jesus. The gift of Christmas was Jesus. Jesus gave himself for us as a Christmas gift, right? To die on the cross later when he was 33 years old. 
But what did God give Jesus as a Christmas gift? And Jesus talks about it here. God gave Jesus the church. We are the Christmas gift that God has given to the Son. And I never really thought about that until this week when I was reading the passage for the first time. The gift to Jesus is his people. In verse 9, he says, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you, Father, you have given me, for they are yours. We were given to the Son that he might give us eternal life. Second, eternal life is to know the only true God in Jesus Christ, his eternally sent, sent one. We saw that in the text. This is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, and me, the one whom you have sent. We can't know one without the other. You can't know the Father unless you know the Son. You can't know the Son unless you know the Father. Third, we grow up and grow into his likeness by the word because it is truth. How do we grow? How are we sanctified? Jesus said in verse 17, 17 sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word is indispensable and we learn from it every time we read it, every time we hear it. And we'll talk more about that in my second point. Fourth, we are sent into the world as Jesus was sent. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Why? Why has Jesus sent us, saints, not just his original 11 apostles, excluding Judas Iscariot, why are we also sent into the world? Because there are other sheep who are not yet in the fold. He has other sheep. And that's what he says in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. If you want a companion text, write John chapter 10. The great I am the shepherd of the sheep passage. And Jesus says in that same passage, there are other sheep who have not yet come to me. Right? But they will. That's why we're sent. That's why we are sent. There are sheep around the world who don't know their sheep yet, but they are and we have to, we need to be about the work of calling them. Fourth, fifth, Jesus longs for us to be with him. Look at verse 24 again. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus longs for us to be with him. He tarries, as we, we will see in Second Peter. He doesn't tarry because he hasn't kept his, he's not going to keep his promise. That's what the people were, were accusing the believers of. Yeah, he's not coming back. You know, he promised you whatever. He's not coming back. And Peter's gonna, uh, going to allay their fears. No, he tarries because he is patient so that all who will come in, whom he, he has chosen to come in, will come in. And when that time comes when the, the fulfillment of that time comes, then Jesus will return and he will gather us to be with him. The second point, I wrote this one very early, so I'm going from the last one to almost the first one. About three prayer requests that I wrote down I thought were really interesting. On January 5th of 2023, this year, I wrote some thoughts about the elders' prayer service we had the night before. This is where the elders pray over families or singles we, as we enter the new, new year, and we're going to do the same thing this Wednesday from 6.30 to 8.30. We need to pass around that clipboard uh, today so that some of you can sign, sign up. But I was struck last year enough to sit down and write a couple of pages in my journal after that 
by three recurring prayer requests. We've prayed for about 30 households on that Wednesday night and then some subsequent Sundays, those who couldn't fit into the schedule on Wednesday night, we prayed for on Sundays after that. And we, we prayed for about 30 households in my count. And there were three recurring prayer requests. One was, we heard from many people, I want to be able to really read the Bible and not just check the box. I want to better understand what I'm reading and grow in my knowledge of God and His Word. I love the heart behind that prayer request. And I agree with it myself. I don't want to just read the Bible every morning because that's my routine to read the Bible every morning. It's my habit. It's my custom. It's a good custom to have. It's a good habit to have. But, but I want to hear from God. And I want to better understand what I'm reading. And as I was thinking about that, I realized, you know, there's good news on this. There's good news. Listen, God said in Isaiah 55 that the fact that his word will change us, will accomplish a purpose, is as reliable as the rain and the snow that comes down from heaven will water the earth and bring forth fruit. That's what Isaiah 55 verse 10 says. And then in verse 11, he says, so, in, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now, what that tells me is it doesn't mean you don't want to study. doesn't mean you don't want to go deeper. But look, reading the Word, just reading in the Word in the morning as opposed to reading the Washington Post or something on TikTok. Do you read that? No, I guess you'd look at that. Reading something on Facebook. Those things do not have eternal value. The Word does have eternal value. And the promise is that it will feed your soul. It will feed your soul. Now, the fact that you want to go deeper, we're addressing some of that in the church with Bible studies, etc. But the, the good news is that just reading the Bible itself or listening to the Bible, some of you are more auditory learners and you're using Dwell or you're using one of the other apps to listen to the Bible, that also is going to feed your soul. Paul said the same thing. He said, look, all Scripture is God-breathed and it is profitable. All Scripture is profitable. Now, he didn't, he didn't say it's only profitable if you really understand the Greek and the Hebrew and you study that, you know, those commentaries. He doesn't say that. He says all Scripture is profitable for these four things. Number one, for teaching. We learn truth from the Word when we hear it, when we read it, and when we study it. For reproof, that means we're also told what is not true, that we believe to be true. The Word corrects that. It reproves us on false thinking, wrong thinking. For correction, we're told what behaviors are not good, right? We all know what that means we have, if we've had children, or even if we don't, we know what that means. And then for training in righteousness, we're told how to live in a way that pleases God. So the Bible is profitable. And I know, again, the heart of the request was to learn better how to study it, maybe even how to teach it. And this is an area, we're, area we are addressing with the Sunday morning classes. We don't know which one we're going to do in the spring yet, but we will have a class in the spring as we did in the fall where you will be able to come <clears throat> early before the service starts for another time of learning from the Word. It's being addressed by the Women's Bible Study. The Women's Bible Study is, is, a, is amazing what it is accomplishing. And I see some of the women nodding. 
how it's touching the women's lives. If any way possible, you can arrange your schedule to be in the women's Bible study that will start sometime in January. Do it, ladies, because all I'm hearing from the women, especially my woman, is it's the fruit is rich and deep. It's also, it, 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 when you read the Word, when you share it with your family and, home, and family devotions, as you sit under it here on Sundays in this setting or in the fellowship hall, as you sit under the Word, as we talk about the Word on, on Wednesday night in home groups and in Bible studies, then then, then it's happening. He is nourishing your soul with that. And listen, the, what I love about this prayer request is God delights in giving us what we ask for when what we ask for is in His will. <laughs> Let me say that again. God delights. He loves to give us what we ask for when what we ask for is in His will. And there's no question that knowing Him and knowing His Word and walking His Word in truth and living out His Word is His will for us. Amen? So keep praying that prayer. But be encouraged when you read the Bible and you don't see, you know, stars that are light, lighted up. You don't, you know, hear lightning from heaven. Your soul is being nourished as you hear and as you read. A second recurring prayer request was for sons and daughters who once professed faith but are no longer walking with the Lord. I've never lost a child and cannot imagine the pain and grief that some of you have suffered. But there are many in this congregation and in churches everywhere who have living sons and daughters who are lost, who maybe once were found or seemed to, be, have, seemed to have been found, and now they're lost. <clears throat> they're in the wilderness. They're in the far country. Jesus knew about this, didn't he? This wasn't something that, you know, is a 21st century problem. In fact, he told one of his most famous parables, his most famous stories about this very thing. And you can read about it in Luke 15, the prodigal son. It's, it's not stated, but we believe that the father in this story must have prayed for his son. I believe that he prayed for his son and, and he prayed that he would return. And not only that, I believe the father in that story prayed with hope and he prayed with expectation that his son would return. How do I, why do I think that? I can't prove it. Why do I think that? Because remember the story? While he was a long way off, his father saw him. Now, I can't prove this again, but to me that says every day the father was praying and every day the father stepped out on his porch or whatever and he looked down that long road to the far country, the same road his son had left on, to see if he would see his son coming back. And he was praying with expectation. You know the rest of the story. The, story. the father saw the son. He ran to him. He welcomed him with open arms. He kissed him. He wept on his neck. Why? Because his son, who had been dead, was now alive. He was lost and now was found. So one of the encouragements for me in this, as we are... as part of this prayer request with you. One of, one of the encouragements for me in this is, is Proverbs 21.1. I referenced this a couple of weeks ago. The Lord holds the heart of kings in his hand, and he turns those hearts wherever he will, right? And so it, it, it's a reminder, first of all, there's no way I can force my child, my children, to follow the Lord. Amen? You cannot force your children 
to do what's right. You cannot force your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren to follow the Lord. You can't do it. But who holds their heart in his hand? The Lord does. If he holds the hearts of kings in his hand, he holds everyone's heart in his hand, and he can turn those hearts wherever he will. So what's our job? Love them. Don't reject them because they've rejected the Lord. Love them. Pray for them. And pray with hope. Pray with expectation. And look down that road. A third recurring prayer was for boldness and witness. And I wrote in my notes, and he's in here. I'm not going to call his name and embarrass him. But I wrote in my notes about one young man in his teens who asked the elders for this. He wanted to be bold and witness. That thrilled my heart. It reminded me of Acts 4 when Peter and John had been arrested and spent a night in prison because they had been preaching about Jesus, about healing the lame beggar, remember, in Jesus' name. And they were brought before the high priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and the rulers and the elders, all the muckety-mucks were there to give an account of the healing. And they looked at Peter and John and they said, by what power or by what name did you do this? Don't you love it when people ask you that? Don't, don't you wish more people would ask you that? By what power, by what name do you live your life? They should be asking us more, right? Isn't that true for me and you? Peter said, in effect, it's Jesus. You want to know the name? You want to know the power? It's Jesus. He is our authority. And that's true for us as well. Why is it enough that we know Jesus is the Lord? Why is that all, all by itself reason to be bold? Because of what Peter said next. He said, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven. This is Acts 4.12. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I know what some of you young people might think, and some of you older people too, you might say, yeah, but that was Peter and John. I mean, these guys were apostles. Hello. Yeah, but, but listen to what Luke wrote next about these guys. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, they didn't go to ECU, uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. How can we be bold? We know Jesus. We know Jesus. We spend time with Jesus. We know he can change people's lives. Why? Because he changed ours. That's the source of our boldness. He's changed my life. And I want to tell you how he can change your life. And in fact, I want to tell you that nobody else can. We know he's the only one who can change a life. We know people who are lost. We know people who are dead in their sins. And we know Jesus. That gives us boldness. And remember Peter wrote to young Timothy. Timid Timothy was probably his nickname. And he encouraged a young man to be bold. And he said this. You know this verse. For God gave us, Timothy, a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Who is that spirit? It's the Holy Spirit, also known as the Spirit of Christ. Jesus said, I will be with you. I'm sending the Comforter, and I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. 2 Timothy 1.7, our boldness is in Jesus. And finally, 
That was the beginning of the year. This is kind of middle of the year, springtime. It's a wonderful life. How many saw the classic this season? Anybody see that? Oh, a lot of hands. See, I, I'm tired of it. I'm sorry. Okay. But, but, but any of you who've seen the Christmas classic, you remember that George Bailey is given, as Angel Clarence says, a rare gift. Remember? He's going to show George what life would have been like without him. Because George is ready to end it all. Remember? You ever feel that way? Some of you teenagers may entertain those thoughts sometimes. Some of you adults may entertain those thoughts. You know, my life doesn't matter. And some of you may even take that next step and think, my life shouldn't even continue. I hope none of you ever entertain those thoughts to the point where you take that seriously because your life matters. And, you know, what we were reminded of, of is, is that our life matters more than we could ever imagine. On May 22nd this year, we gathered, and the church was full, to give thanks because Ray Davis had been with us and touched our lives in so many ways. And there were ways that Ray, I don't think, could ever have imagined. His life mattered more than any single one of us could ever know and, and until we heard the stories, but even hearing the stories, we only knew a small, it's the tip of the iceberg of how Ray's life mattered. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not elevating Ray above anybody except for the fact that we all loved Ray. Ray loved us, and he's gone, and we celebrated his life. And the same is true for every person here. Every person here's life Mattered. It was a wonderful service of celebration. The testimonies of family and friends were powerful and touching and funny. As one after another, people spoke about how their lives were better because of Ray. And I was reminded, as I was thinking about Ray, what I would share in the service, and I shared this, about many years ago when my family took a trip to the Billy Graham Library. And we did the tour. We were introduced to many of the people. In the, in the tour, you're, you, you hear stories and see pictures and videos of people whom Billy Graham's life touched and were touched by his life. I was thinking about that after Ray died, and I thought, you know, if there was a Ray Davis library, a lot of us would be in it because our lives were touched by Ray, and we touched his life. And our stories would be told as they intersected with Ray's story. But the library would certainly not be about any one of us. And in fact, it wouldn't even be about Ray. Just like the Billy Graham library is really not as much about Billy Graham as it's about the people whose lives, lives and the world that he impacted. The Billy Graham Library, the Ray Davis Library are about the Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel. It's the same for you and me and each one of us who knows the Lord. Saints, your life matters in ways that you will never fully understand until you get to the other side. You know, Ray's beginning to understand how much of an impact his life has had. And it will be the same for you. I got to hear Ray Ortland preach this year when Cindy and I visited Susanna and Luke in Nashville. And I told you some of the stories. I'm going to tell you one more. His text was from Philippians 1.6 where Paul said, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Powerful verse. And he unpacked that verse in powerful ways. But I love one of the things, love one of the things Ray Orland said about the day of Jesus Christ, that, that final day 
that we're all looking forward to when Jesus will return. And he said, you know, I imagine it being like a movie and, and the end. It, it says the end of this cosmic screen in heaven. And then the credits will start to roll. It says it'll say, faith, Jesus Christ. Hope, Jesus Christ. Love, Jesus Christ. Astoundingly wonderful conclusion, Jesus Christ. I think... And then he said this, Ray Orland said, who God is, is more important to who I am than who I am. I think Ray Davis's memorial service reminded us of that truth. It's truth that we don't realize sometimes until one we loved leaves us. But who God is, we're learning of him in the word. We're learning of him in community as we love one another, live with one another, help one another grow. Who God is is more important to who I am than who I am myself. But we're important. God loves us. Jesus loves his sheep. And that's why I love that verse in Psalm 116. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning that you love your sheep and that you will not miss one of us. We might be trying to hide. We might be running. We might be in the far country, but if we're your sheep, you're going to find us. Can't hide from you. Thank you that you love your sheep who are here this morning who aren't hiding from you, but who are running towards you, who are pursuing you with all their heart. Those who realize that they're sent and they're They're learning to be bold in their witness. Help us to trust you, Lord, that because we know Jesus and because we know you've changed our lives, then we can be bold in helping others to see that their lives can be changed as well, that they don't have to stay dead. They don't have to stay lost. They don't have to stay confused and deceived, that they can come home to the truth. Thank you, Lord, that our lives matter. Lord, help none of us ever entertain that idea that our life doesn't matter and it would be better if we weren't even here. Help us, Lord, to realize that our life is making a difference that we don't even see and we won't see fully until we're there with you. Lord, thank you for for 2023. Lord, we look forward to 2024 because we know that in Christ, it just keeps getting better. Our outer man is wasting away, but our inner man is being renewed day by day by day, from glory to glory. And may we see that in 2024 more and more with eyes that are clear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. Antioch Community Church meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon, North Carolina. For more information, please go to AntiochChurchNC.org.